Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Divot Room. I'm Chris, and live in studio with me today is Todd. Todd, how you doing? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm right here, buddy. It's so good. God, Woo! We're, we're riding high on life. We just, uh, we'll get to it here in a little bit, but we just finished up our interview with Tim Tucker, Bryson DeChambeau's former caddy, and it was phenomenal. You guys are going to want to stick around. We're going to cover a little bit of stuff before this, but we will be getting to our interview with Tim Tucker Todd, just first thoughts. What do you think, man? The that Tim Tucker is a cool motherfucker. Yes. He is a good dude down to earth, sitting in his recliner. He he bared with us with our technical, you know, issues. And he's like, Do I got a few minutes? And it looked like he went and got a soda out of the fridge and, yeah. and did his thing. Yeah, he was doing his thing. It was great. Great storyteller. Live from Amarillo, Texas. Yeah. I and did. I thank you for not asking him if it was a shithole. Right. <laughs> we would have he would have just left the meeting immediately. Right. I, I wanted to ask him which was a bigger shithole, Amarillo or Coos Bay. <laughs> but I didn't want to lose him. Oh man. And it's and and let's preface it. I've been I've lived in a few shitholes. Yeah. No, we all have, dude. Yeah. We all have. I mean I lived in Beaverton. Oh I anyways. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right so i want to give a shout out to uh, uh one of our sponsors sisters meat and smokehouse can't beat our meats if you're ever driving through sisters oregon and you're on your way out to central oregon or on your way back whatever it may entail drop into sisters meat and smokehouse i believe they're on spruce pick up some beef sticks pick up some beef jerky pick up some chicken some steaks whatever it may be grab a sandwich sit down at the picnic tables enjoy yourself it's one of the greatest places in sisters sisters meet in smokehouse next time you're going to get head out to with your buddies to go golf in central oregon swing into sisters meet in smokehouse they're amazing the, the, the friend of our show jp i don't think he had heard about sisters uh, meet until Till our show. Till our show. And he dropped in and bought, he, bought a pile of meat. <laughs> he bought a bunch of ribeyes and said yeah. it was phenomenal. So yeah. we're, we're, we're making an impact on the... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a great, it's a great store. Drop in. I know, I know a lot of you probably cruise out to Central Oregon and play golf, so do it. Yeah. All right, man. What uh, what do we got for, for news this week? I know the women's uh, Olympics just started up. Yesterday was the first round. Madeline, Madeline Sangstrom. Not is, Monica. Not Monica or Annika. <laughs> Madeline Sangstrom is leading after day one. We got the coverage right here. They're replaying it. They were so... The caddies got so hot and sweaty that a couple of them had to stop caddying. Are you serious? Yeah. What? Yeah, so uh, Lexi, bad, huh? Lexi Thompson's caddy, he couldn't make the back nine. Really? I wonder if he ate a bad shrimp taco, <laughs> or if it was just, or if it was just, just too hot. Bad sushi. It, it looked steamy there. Yeah, it probably is. I don't. I know that last week when the men were playing, it was. I mean, they had some weather issues. Is Lexi Thompson's caddy an older gentleman? I don't know who her caddy is. I know that one of her brothers has caddied for her before. Yeah. They're both on the Corn Ferry Tour now. I mean, it's it's like caddies. You only know a few caddies like by name or face. Jimmy Johnson. Tim Tucker. Tim Tucker. <laughs> Fluff. Right. Bones. Yeah. Anyways. Stevie Williams. Yeah. G'day, Mike. G'day, Mike. Dude, we got to stop using that in context. Yeah. You should have said it for Bones. 
so, so Olympic news. Uh, yeah. There was a gal, Paula Rito. Reto. Paula Rito. Paula Rito from South Africa. <laughs> okay. Are you sure she wasn't from Slovakia? <laughs> or Slovenia. <laughs> Who knows? But Paula Rito, she was, she was knocked out of the Olympics and the Evian after what she says is a false positive of the COVID. Oh, okay. So... Good, good story. Th- well, it's Thanks, Paula. <laughs> the start of the third round, she got tested to get ready to go because you had to have like three negative tests before you went to the Olympics. She popped positive. Yeah. Had no symptoms. Had had COVID a while back. Uh, had gotten the vaccine. Boom. So it became a shit show. She could have done these quarantining things, but she she out. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it's it's the the false positive. You want you know it, it happened to Rom recently, and you're wondering, did it? Yeah, Rom didn't go to the Olympics because. But is a false positive? Well, no, that's what I'm just oh, like. I'm right, 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 right. We haven't heard anything from his camp whether he felt like shit or what. But right, right. and 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 we just had a guy at work came down and yeah. we we don't know anything because right. you know it's it's HIPAA and what have it's you still it's real it's out there and uh it's happening yeah, take care of yourselves uh Xander Shoffley mm. gold medalist I amazing yeah I watched that final round uh it's it's actually kind of nice it was like perfect timing for for the Pacific Northwest I mean 7 30 at night sit down yeah you know get the kids into bed after a little bit and you just watch golf Prime time golf. It was amazing. It was cool. And then they had the bronze medal playoff, the seven hole playoff. So uh, it was good, or not seven hole, but seven way playoff. It was so late. I was at Tokati playing in a big golf tournament. And at 830 at night, I'm like, I can't wait till it gets dark so I can go get my tent and go to bed. (laughs) Did you sleep in a tent? Yeah. (laughs) What? Yeah. Well, we have a cabin, quote unquote. The, 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 sleeps four there's a king bed and a a hide a bed and a couch were there any mice in the hide a bed when you opened it up no no, nobody somebody just slept on the couch but i was like i gotta live in my own space so i i watched from nine to nine thirty the golf and that's when they made the turn and xander had a three-shot lead and i woke up and was like whoa yeah you only won by one It, it was uh the i think 16th hole uh, where he hit it at OB. 17. No, uh, 17, he hit it in the weeds. Yeah, and had to take an unplayable. Hit hit a provisional, had to hit it unplayable. It, it was touch and go there for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I fell asleep during the uh, bronze medal playoff. It was it was late. So, yeah, but uh, uh, Rory Sabatini takes silver and C.T. Pan takes bronze. Uh, Xander was the only one that actually had his real caddy on 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 the bag uh rory had his wife second wife as steve sands would say ding dong god what a dork that was kind of mean that was what was so he's in an interview and he's like well your second wife is from slovakia and why even mention it's his second wife yeah it's your current it's his wife wife. your wife it's his wife yeah so steve sands gets our ding dong in the week what a dork i think it's going to be code ding dongs because zinger's a dork too CT Pan had his wife on the bank too. CT Pan won the uh, seven player playoff for, and to be honest with you, that might have been more pressure than the actual Olympics. Well, the the thing is, I went and looked back. You know, you get money for a gold 
silver bronze. Did you yeah. know that? <clears throat> I didn't. I know that you can get out of military duty in South Korea. <laughs> Which is huge. That's like, worth its weight in gold. Yeah, two-year service agreement. Those guys didn't know they're going to have to figure out something. So America... We give out, we get so many medals, they can't really give you that much. So yeah. if if you win a gold for USA, you get thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars. If you if you win the silver, you get twenty two thousand five hundred. And if you get the bronze, you get fifteen G's. All right. And the country from where CT Pan's from, Taiwan, Taipei, Taipei, Taiwan. Yeah. China Taipei. Here I go. Here yeah. I go. Fuck. I, I, I think it's China Taipei or something like that. He gets paid in new Taiwan dollars, okay? Okay. He got 179,000 American dollars. Good for him. It was 5 million new Taiwan dollars. Amazing. Yeah, so amazing. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Uh Zinger again, ding dong. He's such a Dork. He says some of the stupidest stuff. I actually got an email yesterday from the PGA Tour fan council that I signed up for. So they re, they have you kind of do these surveys and they ask like what uh, what sports or what broadcast do you like the most and least and stuff like that. And then I think <laughs> whatever. They're like, why don't you like that? I'm like, it's because of Paul Azinger. Yeah. And that was one of my answers. So, Good for you. Paul Azinger, you know what? I kind of admired you as a golfer growing up, but you're a Ding dong. He called out Sep Straka. Uh, I, th- I believe it's Sunday. He calls out Sep Straka. Sep Straka's coming out of nowhere. Who led after the first round? Right, Sep. Sep Straka. What the hell, Paul Azinger? Coming out of nowhere after leading up the first round? You're such a dork. I, I wonder if he was just over in Japan and he, he got Too all sh- Sapporos. He got so <laughs> shit faced from the Sapporos. He's just like, this seems like a good story. God, what is it? Just. He's all making his shit up. What a ding dong. All right, man. So we got uh we got the FedEx or WGC FedEx St. Jude's invitation. Hold on a second. I've got some tiger news. Yeah, go for it. Uh Tiger's Hero Challenge is back for 2022. Yeah. The field was increased from 18 to 20. Huge. Wow. I, I kind of wish it was just a few more because for viewing at the end of the, you know, it's just anyways. I like that tournament. I do and too. I, and I do like the fact that it's a small field. Um and it's an invitational field, clearly. Um, but if you do win it, you get the two year exemption. Or do you get three? I wonder I'd look love to look into it because you might get three year exemption because it's invitational. Well, so they picked the field. All the major winners get invited, plus the player champion, the unofficial fifth major. And then the remaining spots are filled by players ranked in the top 50. You get a official world golf ranking point, and the purse is 3.5 million. Okay. Uh, What's the purse at the FedEx? Is it 3.5, which is a full field? I'm sure it is because I think you win two. Yeah, so you win two million. Last place gets sixty four thousand. I don't know. I just made that up because that's what Tiger made last year. That's amazing. Sixty four thousand dollars. That that's amazing. No, and 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 who knows why they increased it to twenty? But um, I like it. I do too. Anyway, yeah. The uh, new the PJ Tour schedule is out. 
for 2021-2022. Minor alterations. uh, Looks like... uh, Yeah, check it out. 44 Uh, events. They got rid of a couple of world golf ones, and they've included three Europeans. This this week's uh, St. Jude's Invitational. This is a WGC event. I believe it's not going to be a WGC event. It's going to be the first uh, tournament of the playoffs next year. So, yeah. Yeah. Check it out. It's, uh, it's just some minor alterations, but uh, it yeah. looks like they're trying to make it more inclusive. Having like the Scottish open is going to be uh, sharing points. So that's usually a European event. So it's going to be part of the PGA tour. Um, are those going to be FedEx points, or are those going to be? I believe so. Oh, really? Yeah, and but so they got rid of two WGC events, and so instead, of, like Mexico, Chapultepec at yep. like twenty thousand feet, where um, Bones shit his pants after eating a bad <laughs> shrimp taco. <laughs> he went. <laughs> he he drank he drank some some naughty water and, and had a had a bad. Because remember, he ran off the course and yeah. had to go shit his pants in the, yeah. at the honey bucket. Yeah. Anyway, so that's going to be, I think they called it like the Mexico Invitational. It's not going to be a WC. Mexico Open, something like that, yeah. Something cool. But anyways, yeah. it looks like it's going to be fun for next year. And then the Canadian Open is going to be back. I Good mean, day, this Mike. Is all, this, is all, this is all pre-planning to hopes that borders will be open and COVID will be kind of close to over and a little bit better. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed that potentially we might actually see a, a, a normal PGA tour season next year. Yeah. Starting in, starting next month. Oh, and you know what? Down we, in Napa. We have one other bit of news. Me and you are playing in a big fucking golf tournament this weekend. We are. We are playing a big golf tournament this weekend. So it's the Bums uh, Club Championship. Out oh, here God. Legs. We're playing the Great Blue on Saturday, I believe, and then the Green Back on Sunday. So... I don't foresee myself being in contention on Sunday, but it's going to be a great time. Never you, say never. You, on the other hand, we'll see. Might. We'll uh, see. I got my money on Todd. I love that. Thanks, brother. All right. So we got the WGC FedEx St. Jude's Invitational uh, at TPC Southwind in Memphis, Tennessee. Southwind's one of those courses that I used to play on Sega. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, par 70. Yardage is 7,300-ish. Designer Ron Pritchard. Or is it Pricard? Pricard. <laughs> Ron Pricard. Uh, and then defending champion is Justin Thomas. Anything anything on this St. Jude's Invitational? I, I think this is the week that Max Homa's um, birdie, I think, he's, I think he is donating money to St. Jude's for every birdie and eagle he has had in the last like five weeks. And he's encouraged people to donate as well. I committed that the Divot Room would donate. I haven't donated yet, but they want us to post a receipt for it on um, the uh, Get a Grip uh, Instagram account. So I'll, we can, I'll, we, I'll, I'll donate yeah. 20. Yeah. So we can uh, post our receipt on uh, the Get a Grip Instagram account. And uh, I think we could potentially win some uh, some gifts from them. So Well, it- the the thing about the FedEx St. Jude's, I was like, God, I should do some kind of research. And they had players' reactions. I went to their website. Oh, yeah. And, God, now I'm not going to be able to find it. But one of the people that had 
two quotes was Ben Crane. Oh, nice. Well, he's from Tennessee. He lives in Tennessee now. Yeah, he lives in Tennessee now. So um, it's, uh, you know, I don't know if he's won it, but he lives in Tennessee now. Um, He hasn't won it. Yeah. He's won like five times on the PJ. Yeah, yeah, he's a great player. Yeah. Anyways, he's uh, he's he lives in Tennessee. He probably does a lot of work for St. Jude's. St. Jude's is an amazing organization. I actually um, ran the New York Marathon a few years ago and raised money for the St. Jude's. Uh, I had to raise like three thousand dollars for St. Jude's. And nice. I ran on their team. So uh, yeah, St. Jude's is just a great cause. So anybody out there that wants to um, donate to St. Jude's, uh, take a picture of your receipt and send it to get a grip on the Instagram account on their Instagram account. And maybe you can get some good swag from get a grip podcast with Max home and Shane Bacon. Uh, we also have the Barracuda championship in Truckee, California corn Ferry tour is in Utah at, uh, the Utah championship. Somebody, uh, you told me that somebody was inquiring about your, services yeah so i caddied out at utah championship zion bank presented by zion bank at oak ridge country club a couple years ago with tim madigan um i've caddied for michael arnaud one time and um i i had inquired with him hey are you going to be out there am i i'm thinking about caddying and then he never he didn't get back to me until just um on friday and we had this interview lined up with Tim Tucker. So I uh, had to, I had to decline. Unfortunately, hopefully he got a caddy that's going to be able to, they'll be happy with, but, uh, there's no way he'd be as happy with you. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's, you know, it's a different dynamic. Out you there, you so. wouldn't fall down in the heat. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I'd probably be fine in the heat, but, uh, anyways, good, good luck to all those guys out there in Utah. I know that uh, Michael Arnaud is probably going to play well. I know that Andres Gonzalez, who we have been uh, trolling on Twitter a little bit to try to get him to play golf with us. And Good he's, trolling. He's, yeah, he's been a little bit uh, he's been receptive. Uh, he was wearing a Rainier beer hat. Uh, I love that. kind of guy. Rainier beer. Sorry. Wow. Turn your volume down. I, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Not you, everybody else. Uh, he's uh, also sponsored by MGM uh, Resorts. So, Andres Gonzalez, good luck. Uh, Josh Creel, good luck. Uh, Michael Arnaud, good luck. All these guys uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour, have a great week. Uh, women are in the Olympics. So, they've, they've uh, LPGA. Prime time. I think the LPGA has the week off. I'm just assuming that it does since the women are in the Olympics. I, I mean, I don't think it's like hockey where you send some people over and yeah. play. So don't know. Anyways, uh, that's what we got going this week. So Todd and I already made our picks before the show because we want to get you guys to our big uh, what you've been waiting for, and that's our interview with Tim Tucker. So uh, Todd picked first. So Todd's first pick was Jordan Spieth, mm-hmm. and this is for the WGC FedEx St. Jude's Invitational. My first pick. Colin Morikawa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good one. Not really. I think he's going to be so well over. When I when I made the pick, leg. Colin Morikawa, you're like, he's just been in Japan playing the Olympics. I'm like, oh, you're right. Shoot. But these guys are used to it. These guys can. These guys can 
you know, which is either pond, Atlantic or Pacific. He is younger, gentlemen. And like you said, oh, so you always point out like, oh, he has no scar tissue. And what do you mean by that? When you say no scar tissue, what do you mean by that? Well, like uh, you hit one out of bounds one time early on in your career and it hurt you. That's that's scar tissue. So you're talking like mental scar tissue. Yeah, mental scar tissue. You just and Morikawa, he ended up he was in the playoff, wasn't he, at the, the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah. Um he came back. He came out of nowhere, as Paul Azinger would say. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh yeah. So the scar tissue is just is fucking up a tournament. He hasn't done that yet. Okay, and I, I don't know who said it. It might have been I, – I, I, I'm going to get this completely wrong. But somebody on the broadcast, I can't remember who it was about, but they dropped that. They said, he's got no scar tissue. Oh, stole it from me. Yeah. Well, fun. I heard it. I'm like, oh, shoot. That's Todd's line. Damn it. And they were talking exactly what you just described. The no, no scar tissue was about the mental side of the game. Yeah. And and the 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 issues you have to overcome from maybe losing a tournament and not being able to overcome that and that's the scar tissue that that you might build up over time. Scar tissue. A good example is having the lead at a tournament, but it's you got to do a dog leg ride over some water. And in right. a previous tournament, when you had the lead, you rinsed. Right. Right. You fucked it up, and then all of a sudden, that's a little bit of scar tissue. Yeah. All right, so my uh, Todd's second pick for this week is Brooks Kepka. Yeah. Brooksy. Brooksy. And my second pick, Brycey. Yeah, I love Bryson it. Bryson DeChambeau. And that's in honor of our guest this week, Tim Tucker. Yep. So Bryson is my second pick. Todd's third pick is Dustin Johnson. My third pick is Max Homa. Todd's two alternates are Louis Ustazen and Rory McIlroy, not to be confused with Rory Sabatini. Yeah. I'd have picked him if he he, he took the <laughs> week off. What a ding dong. Uh, alternates. My alternates are Abraham Answer, no surprise, and Justin Thomas. So, you know, Rory, got a lot of people coming back tired from the Olympics. Sabatini is like 132 right now in FedEx standings. You got to be 125 to make it to next year okay there's two weeks left he took the week off he's yeah. he's celebrating that silver in slovenia or slovakia i think slovakia i don't with, know how old his, he is too. with is his he second kind of wife prep, is he prepping maybe for the, he's been on the tour since 1999 i'm wondering if he's prepping for maybe the champions tour too though i don't think he's that old he's kind of no. my age no he ish he can still they had like if you've won like or been in three hundred weeks in the FedEx standings, you got some exemptions. He's got some he's got some chances to use some exemptions, but man, with two weeks to go and you're at one thirty two, yeah. You you go unless yeah. you're partying like a rock star. There yeah. All right. Without further ado, we're going to kick it off or kick it over to our interview with Tim Tucker. Thank you for listening to us, uh, giving you a little bit of uh, front loading some picks and some info for this week's tournament. Um, we're going to give a shout out to Loop, which is Tim Tucker's new business that he has uh, just started up. The website is up and running called 
abandonlooptransportation.com. It's a high-end bus that takes people to Bandon Dunes. It can pick you up at PDX, Portland International Airport. It can pick you up at the Eugene Airport. It can pick you up down at the Southern Oregon Airport down in Coos Bay. And any of you that are out there listening that are going to have a soon, I don't know, next month, next year, two years from now, it sounds like he has somebody that has booked out two years in advance already. So um, go ahead and go to bandonlooptransportation.com to get more information. It is high-end bus, and this thing looks badass. And he is excited about it. And he is, yeah. You can hear it in his voice towards the end of the interview. He'll talk a little bit about it. So anyways, without further ado, here's Tim Tucker. All right, this is Chris. I'm with Todd. We're down in the divot room, and we are honored to have on Zoom for our first interview. We're going to have Tim Tucker is with us today, everybody. All right, so here, professional caddy, entrepreneur. Yeah, professional caddy, entrepreneur, and former golf pro himself, Tim Tucker. Tim, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah, so we just want to start off. We want to kind of just hear just the three-minute, well, I mean, if you want to keep it a little bit more than three minutes, that's totally fine because I'm sure you could probably go on, but... Just maybe just the early years of uh, Tim Tucker. I don't know if you went by Timmy or not as a kid, but uh, just the early years of Tim Tucker and 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 kind of how you got into golf. Yeah, um, I, I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, and actually just recently moved back here um, about seven months ago. I've always wanted to come back. You know, I lived out in Oregon for 20 years, but um, always wanted to come back home. Um, my dad passed two years ago. So that's a bummer. I wanted to be back, you know, to hang out with him. He retired and played a lot of golf. And so love playing golf with him. But it was, you know, unfortunately he passed. But uh, I'm back here and I love it. But I grew up in Amarillo and uh, I went in the military, went in the Air Force out of high school and then got out of the military, went to work at the State Department in Washington, D.C., and uh, you know, I had a top secret clearance with my job in the military. And so. It was easy to do that. I was working there, just not really enjoying the job. So, you know, guys were starting to, I worked midnight shifts. So guys would play, you know, when we got off work. So that's really, you know, every morning so we wouldn't go to sleep. And uh, so I just started playing golf and loved it. And, you know, hanging around golf courses, as you guys know, man, it's easy to fall into that business. And so I started working as an assistant. Um I worked at a place in Virginia called uh, the Robert Trent Jones Golf Club. Beautiful place. They had the first two President's Cups. And then uh, moved out to Oregon and worked at Creekside Golf Club and then ended up uh, at Springfield Country Club. Was the head pro there for four years. And then wanted to get out of the golf business. So I moved up to Bandon to Caddy or moved down to Bandon to Caddy and just meet people, you know, because I'd been down there and you know, that clientele, as everybody knows, is, is, you know, people from all over the world come there and play and mostly success, successful people. So I just wanted to see what opportunities were out there. So I did that and I did get several job offers, but um, I fell in love with that lifestyle of, of caddying and playing and practicing and 
So I got my amateur status back in 2005 because um, my goal was to play in the mid-am. In 2007, it abandoned. And I qualified for that, played in that, and then just, man, really got into golf and into the amateur side of it and loved playing. So just used to playing everything in the Northwest and, you know, to always try the qualifiers, the USJ qualifiers. And I've played in three mid-ams. I've played in one four-ball, the first one. Actually, Bryson was in that four ball. He was playing with his college buddy, Austin Smotherman, which is on the web now, or excuse me, Corn Ferry now. Yeah. But uh, did you kick his ass? And then, no, no, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Although my partner, Kyle Crawford, he's a caddy at Bandon. We played Olympic on the ocean course. He shot five under on the front nine on his own ball. So wow. we ended up qualifying fourth, and then we lost to some guys from Phoenix. But uh, anyhow, so caddy at Bannon, loving life. Everything was great. And a friend of mine from Boise, he knew Tyler Aldridge, which was playing on the Corn Ferry Tour at the time. And one got his card on tour and was looking for a caddy, and I ended up caddying for him. And uh, he's an awesome dude. I wish he were still playing. He he decided to give it up, um, but uh, he was an amazing player, really good guy. And uh, anyway, I ended up caddying for, ended up leaving Tyler, ended up caddying for Bryson, and that's pretty much it to now. So when you went from caddying abandoned to Tyler, did you take a pay cut? No, no. Tyler played actually played really well. He. You know, I think his best finish was 15th at, at Harbortown or Heritage, MCI Heritage. And, uh, which, you know, I made 8,000 bucks for that, that week, I think it was. So, no, Tyler, Tyler played good. We missed, I think we missed four or five cuts, you know, in that four month period, but he, he played solid. And, uh, but, you know, I just, I really, to be honest with you, I didn't enjoy caddying that much. Um, wow. On tour. It's funny that, you know, I'd been playing amateur golf. I was, I was a, you know, PGA professional club pro, um, been around golf for, you know, 20 years. And when I got out on tour, I realized how little I knew about caddy. So, and it, it hits you pretty quick, but you know, you have to do a lot of work to catch up and, and not a lot of people there to help you really, you know, cause they're busy doing their own thing. Right. Yeah. So you kind of learn on the fly, but that first tournament, with uh, the with Tyler, how were you? Were you nervous as he was, or were you more nervous standing on that first tee box, hoping you didn't mess up? Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is, well, you know, so they pair caddies or pair players, excuse me, based on their you know world ranking and all that. So it was, you know, we weren't playing with the best players in the world, and, and so that was it was a little easier there. But yeah, again, the first one was Valspar, tough golf course. Um, I think he was eighth after the first day, played really well. I think he ended up finishing like 32nd or 33rd, something like that. But, um, you know, made the cut, which was great. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a little nerve wracking. But once you get into it, you know, it's just, just like anything, you know, it falls right into place. I'm, I'm more interested to hear about, <clears throat> excuse me. More interested to hear about this top secret clearance. Yeah, what the hell does that mean, and what does that get you? <laughs> Come on, man, no, like, give us you know, something. I was in the military, so I was, 
I was in the military police. Uh, well, I was what they call it in the Air Force, security police. And I happened to go to a base in England um, called Upper Hayford, and they had nuclear weapons. So, you know, anytime you're around that, you had to have that clearance. And so, and then I went from there. I was there two years and then went to uh, NORAD in Colorado Springs, which I don't know if people know. It's the, it's the hole in the mountain that, you know, they run all the North America's, you know, air defense yeah. from there. So anyway, I worked there. So you had to have a top secret clearance to work there as well. So since I had that, you know, I think it costs like $50,000 to get one of those. So then I had that for the state department. It was great. So I just moved right into that. Once you have it, do you keep it for life? No. Uh, <laughs> Damn. I think, it, I think it expires in 10 years. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but I think it lasts 10 years. Interesting. All right. So, yeah, I, my job at the State Department, we would go through people's offices at night. So I'd work seven at night till seven in the morning. And we'd just go through people's desk and through the offices and we'd look for documents that were left out. Oh, wow. And yeah, you'd find wow. these doc- Yeah, you'd find documents all the time that, you know, where they would half lock these safes, right? Jeez. Because every time they took a document, they didn't want to have to put in the, you know, so half lock it, they'd just turn it and you could. You just turn it back to zero, it, it'd pop open. But um, so they'd forget to, to secure them. But yeah, I'd read these things and yeah, I didn't understand 99% of it. So, do you write them a citation? Do you can you give them a ticket for that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leave it yeah, on their desk. Would, and to be honest, what we'd do is we'd write a couple and then we'd find a boardroom and go in there and watch, you know sports center and take a nap and all that good stuff nice you know you were saying part of your deal was being a golf pro and and a caddy but you also you were kind of an inventor like an innovative guy i remember you i saw you down at the pro-am at um bandon and you were had a bunch of putters and tell me about some of your stuff that you you know that you kind of worked on yeah well so when i got down to bandon i was I don't know if people remember David Adele. He made Adele putters, and and the big part of that, he worked for with Henry Griffiths. But um, we would fit putters based on how you see. So every putter has an aiming characteristic to it, and we'd find a putter that you could aim perfectly. So just through different line goal, or excuse me, different head uh, shapes, nozzle offset, line combinations, length, all that. So we would. We'd build, we'd find a putter, we'd use a laser and find out where you aimed from six feet. And most everybody would miss the hole by about six or six, eight inches, you know, right or left. And so we'd build them a putter that, that it's like a rifle. It's like sighting in a rifle. You know, if you, if I sight in a rifle for someone and give it to them, that they may miss the target completely because we all see differently. So same with, same with golf. So, you know, I did that for a while. Then I got into uh, the Aimpoint Green Reading, and that was really great. I traveled all over the country doing that, teaching it, um, teaching it to students and then certifying instructors. And then a buddy of mine, he, he actually is out on tour now working. Uh, he's, he's an instructor. His name's Jason Goldsmith. He works with uh, Justin Rose and Jason Day, but he and I invented a golf product called True Aim, and it was an alignment decal that went on the top of your driver and again you know if a driver you know driver has a mallet type or has a triangulation to the head right so it's typically right aiming it has no offset 
again, another right aiming characteristic and then no lines, which is right aiming. And so I kind of came up with this. I was, I was in my, you know, I played all this tournament golf and I could, I drew everything, but the driver and I was walking around in my front yard. I lost the pub links at sand pines. I finished second or third and I'd pumped two balls. I lost two balls on nine, made double both days. And I was just walking around my driver going, why can I hit the driver? So, you know, I was putter fitting at the time. And I said, well, man, this thing, you know, I wonder if I aim this thing. It has all right aiming characteristics. So we had this laser that we'd shine at a golf ball. So I teed a golf ball up. I shined at this laser. I put a mirror on the face of my driver and I set up to it. And I was 10 yards away from the side of my house. And the spot I was aiming at, I was, you know, I had to, I put a piece of tape on the wall to aim there. And my son pulled the ball away, and I was nine feet right of my target at 10 yards. Jeez. That looks square to me. So now imagine where it was at 280. Yeah, especially right? on the ninth hole. And if you pump, if I pump two out, I don't make a double. <laughs> I just made it. Yeah. I just went Sung Kang and made it fucking 12. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I'm like, well, lines make me aim left on putter. So I, I went to the auto parts store. I bought some auto pinstriping and I stuck a silver line on my Titleist driver. And I went, I drove, I lived 30 minutes from Bandon. So I drove down there. I, uh, I couldn't wait, but I was patient. I, I went ahead and warmed up and then I finally got to the driver. I teed it up and swung normal and I hit a 30 yard hook. And I was like ecstatic. Wow. I was like, this is amazing. I never could hit that shot. And I hit a massive hook. So I started just drawing the ball beautifully from then on. And so my buddy, again, Jason Goldsmith, who got helped me, or we invented this product through AIM. We went out and, you know, we started coming up with these different decals and all this stuff and went out on tour, fit it. And I think we had over 60 players try it in competition. And, uh, but the problem was, and we sold about a hundred thousand dollars worth of them, but the problem was educating the public anytime you're doing that and also fitting one at a time, hard to make money. Yeah. That was a, that was another thing that I did. So that was kind of the three things I ended up doing. Did those align? I met Bryson through Aimpoint because I taught him Aimpoint when he was 15. Oh, nice. Do those alignment stickers, they help with the snap hook? Because that's what I've got going right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, it's, I'm telling you this. I promise you. I, the, I, don't, I still don't have the data. It was on a computer I lost years ago. But every player that we worked with would, would decrease their dispersion with their driver by 50%. That would help Not me a lot. That, yeah. it, optimize, it would optimize all the launch conditions. You'd spin it less. You'd launch it higher. You'd actually swing it faster. It was amazing what it did. Wow. Wow. So I I know that you're working on your own golf game now that you got some free time. I mean, I know you got the business starting up, but what's your handicap right now? How many, how many pops do I get if I go out and play with Tim Tucker? I'm a 10. I am a, I'm really struggling. I'm a, I'm a one point like one or something like that. I don't know. Did you just say you're struggling? <laughs> struggling at one point. Well, I, mean, I used to be like, so I never posted my scores, but based on my tournament rounds, I was like a plus 3.2 or something when I was really playing well in, in tournament play. So it really traveled, you know, I was just any, every course we played. So I never put in my local score, you know, and I was playing abandoned too. 
you know. So I just, yeah, I, I was legit plus three, which is, you know, good amateur, not great. I wasn't, you know, I'd go to a mid-am and get smoked because those guys are really, really good. So yeah, but that's um, a that's a plus. Yeah, so, that's a plus three when you're just posting tournament scores. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I was a, I was a decent amateur player in the Northwest, you know. Yeah. So that was good. It was fun. I loved it. But I, you know, I was on a golf course every day. I was hitting balls every day, putting for an hour a day. I loved it. You know, I just got really got into it. What about? Are you playing any pro ams down there in uh, Amarillo? No, I'm not. I just uh, no. I I haven't. All I've been trying to do is practice a little bit and get back into golf. But so. You, you, you know, trying to get my life back together, so to speak. Yeah, I bet it's a big change not traveling every week. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's probably the worst part of, of being out there is, tra- you know, you're on the road 26 to 30 weeks, you know, and it's it gets tough. So you you said that you played in uh, the Mid-Am at Sand Pines. Where else have you played in the Mid-Am? I know you played. I played in the, the Mid-Am at Bandon. Played in the mid amateur at Atlantic Golf Club in Long Island. Oh wow! And then I played in the mid am at Birmingham Country Club, and then the four ball at Olympic Club. Nice. Who would you say had an impact on your golf career? Man, met a lot of people, really. But you know, I mean, my dad got me started playing. Um, you know, David Dell with his technology with the putters and the aim really, you know, made me understand putting and how, why we're bad at putting. And then obviously the green reading aim point was phenomenal that, you know, so all these little things really helped me, you know, understand golf a little better. And, and, you know, the, a, a friend of the show, Joe Pisha, he was telling me a time where you guys were at a tournament and he was fucking playing terrible. And he said you came out on the back nine and helped him read putts. And he said he made like six birdies. Uh, That's the thing that I'm worried about, Brycey, is not having you to read putts. And I know you've said before he can read putts, he knows aim point. But, man, I've heard you're a phenomenal green reader. No, I mean, you know, Bryson's not going to struggle with that. He knows all this. You know, we I taught him when he was 15. We worked on it, you know, for years. And then, you know, being on tour, we just developed, you know, always constantly working on the green reading. It is a skill. You know, it sounds difficult when you first do it, but it's like anything else. It's a skill that you have to practice and maintain. Otherwise, you know, it, it can go away or you can, you know, not be as good at it. But, you know, the, the tour has contour maps and, I mean, yeah. they're super detailed. So green reading on tour is really easy if you know where you are on the on that contour map. Yeah, so the green maps are going he's away. A phenomenal green reader. Yeah, how do you think that's going to affect them with the green green reading uh, books going away? Yeah, it's just going to make well make for a long Tuesday you know, and Wednesday. He, his intuition is so good. You know, he he's a special kind of person man special athlete he's getting his intuition good you know what i mean and he if he made more putts 
he, all his putts he makes from 15 feet. In. He's probably the best putter in the world inside 10 feet. But, um, you know, 13, 13 feet and in, he's, he makes them all the time. It's outside that he does it. And it's so funny. We always talk about it. You know, he works really hard on his speed control. He's a phenomenal green reader. And we say it all the time. It's like, you know, most players aren't reading the green with a system. So they don't know the exact read. They don't work on their speed control as precise as he does. So, and, and the, most of the tour players aim their putter or start their putts online. That's a fact. But two of the three are, are typically not per, as precise as Bryson. And that's why I say that he misses putts because his precision is so good, right? Mm-hmm. And if he gets an inconsistency in the green or, you know, it, the likelihood of missing it is greater than a guy that's off. That putt could be online. So he hits a lot of putts that look like they're going in and they just – always seem to tail off at the end or something. But well, his, his putting at, his putting at Wingfoot was, was insane. I mean, the only dude under par. Yeah. I mean, he's, his putting typically, you know, depending on, you know, the only place he struggles is, is slow, slow, bumpy greens. Typically when the greens are really good, he's phenomenal. So he, he probably wouldn't do very well at Heron Lakes is what you're saying. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll tell you what. I think that the Northwest has the best golf in the country. Everybody always tells me, oh, man, Long Island, New York. I'm like, no. I mean, Oregon has three distinctly different climates, right? You have the coastal range, you have the valley, you have the, the high desert. I, I think the golf in Oregon, I'd put it up against any place in the on the planet. I yes. love the golf. Yeah. And they're always in phenomenal shape so i and on a side note when i built i built augusta up to be the most pristine golf course in the world i'll bet i've played five golf courses in oregon in better condition wow wow that's what that's insane you just see it on tv and it's just okay so you just said that that's amazing i can't i mean i i pictured so i've always said i don't know if i want to go to the masters because i feel it's going to ruin me right so you you hear about john daly setting up his rv at hooters right up the street i'm like there's a hooters up the street this is heaven (laughs) although i guess they might have hooters in heaven too i'm not really sure but so so you just said so so you just said you would. There's five golf courses in Oregon that you would put up against Augusta National. Which five are they? Well, right off the top of my head, when Pronghorn opened in Central Oregon, when it first opened, we played the PNGA Cup there, and I mean that golf course was the nicest condition golf course I'd ever been on in my life, hands down. It was immaculate. Yeah, um, but you know. The greens in Oregon, I think, are phenomenal in season, right? Yes. Uh, so I can't – it would be tough to name a – you know, you're going to think I'm crazy. I played uh, Langdon Farms one day, and, I mean, it was immaculate. I played Trophy Lakes when it opened up in Washington. Insane how good it was. You know, so I've played some – you know, we've been everywhere. You know, and, and the greens at Augusta do, do not roll thirteen or fifteen. We read them with our we read them with eleven eleven stem. Wow! If you had those greens faster than that, they would be unputtable because of the undulation. You know, the sixth green, you wouldn't be able to keep a ball on the sixth hole. 
it would be impossible. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. The fastest greens that we've ever played on tour with when I was with Bryson was Muirfield Village in at the memorial, and they were they were twelves. Wow, that they the memorial, yeah, they always look like they're hard as hell and just look slick, and you just see like number eighteen looks like a bitch if you're above the hole. I can't believe that yeah. you just compared Langdon to Augusta National. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, don't get me wrong. Condition wise, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I get it. I get it. Hey, we we just. <laughs> but I'm we, not kidding. I've played these courses. I'm always a stickler for condition. Yeah. I love great condition golf courses. And I'm telling you, I've seen you guys know when you play these golf courses. I mean, there's the Pacific Northwest. That's where they grow grass. Yeah, you know. It's true. It's, All kinds of grass. <laughs> my buddy works at yeah, exactly. My buddy Jimmy Myers is this is the superintendent at Columbia Edgewater. Go up there. That place is immaculate. Yeah, but now that they just pulled the Cambia Classic out of Columbia Edgewater because it looks like Thunderdome down there because of the homeless people hanging out, then gosh, I think I think we got uh I think I, I'm really excited though to see what it's gonna look like on TV from uh they're going to have it at Oregon golf club this year. And I'm really excited. I actually want to try to get a caddy job to, to caddy up there. Cause it's a hell of a walk. So speaking of caddies, awesome. Yeah. Speaking of caddies, uh, me and Chris are playing in the club championship. I know it's kind of late notice, but <laughs> I know you're retired. You, it's at Heron lakes. I don't know. <laughs> you got time, Tim. You know, I'm a little busy, but... Okay, I mean, if you don't ask... Well, it's just this weekend. I don't know if you're going to be able to make it up here. So you can caddy for Todd on Sunday, because I don't think I'll be in contention on Sunday. So, all right. You know what? Let's get into some Bryson stuff. I want to preface this with talking about my feelings about Bryson, just as a golf fan. And, And Todd can chime in here, too, to kind of give his... So Bryson was never really on my radar <clears throat> as a golfer. And then and then he kind of came in, right? And he kind of started stealing spotlight a little bit. And I was kind of like, huh, hey, who is this guy? He's kind of a little annoying. He's kind of got some quirkiness to him. And then he started, you know, he put on the weight. And he's just all about, all about distance, it seemed like, right? And clearly there's more to the game. And clearly he has proven that. But he is, I mean, his nickname's The Scientist. It's, it is what he is. And, and to me, I'm more of a natural golfer, natural field golfer. So the science behind stuff just goes out way over my head. But I got to tell you, Tim, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, when he was trying to drive that green, that par five, I fell in love with the kid. That reaction, when he pumped his fist, yes, yes. I mean, that was, to me, I was like, that's what a 10-year-old kid looks like. It's almost like that moment... I was like, that guy just probably fell in love with golf all over again with that one shot. And I got to tell you, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah, he's quirky. He's got, but you know what? He's a hell of a golfer. He's a great golfer. And so I want to get into some Bryson stuff. Todd, do you want to talk about maybe your kind of take on Bryson before? Yeah. Just, I, just so we could preface this. So we, I, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm a fan and I call him Brycey. Because, you know, I'm, I'm like folksy, like Tiger. He calls you know, people Stevie and Brooksy and Rosie. <laughs> so I call him Brycey. Um, I'm, I'm a fan. I just, I, I just like, why the fuck does he keep 
saying the things he says and it's just distracts from stuff. Yeah. So, so let, let's get into this and we'll, we'll have some questions that might be able to answer some of these kind of feelings we have, but how, how'd you score Bryson's bag? I know it was back in 2016, right? Right. So what happened, my, I was, again, I'm from Amarillo and my dad lived here in Amarillo, Texas. We were down at the Byron Nelson. I was caddying for uh, Tyler Aldridge. And, you know, just things weren't going great. And I was kind of not into it. You know, I just, you know, we missed the cut. And I was like, you know what, Tyler, this isn't work. I appreciate the opportunity. i just not into this, right? And, and I was planning on coming back to, to Amarillo with my dad. He, we, he drove down, so I just drove back with him. It's a six-hour drive. And I was like, I'm going to play golf with my dad for a week, go back to band and, and caddy. And so I get halfway home. Well, Bryson, or halfway to Amarillo, so three hours into the drive. And Bryson's coach, Mike Shy, called me and said, hey, Bryson, let his caddy go. Would you consider caddying for him at Colonial? And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure. He said, well, we're still trying to decide on what we want to do. He goes, I'll call you as soon as we know. And then I got to Amarillo and I was sitting at a bar with my dad having a beer. And I get a call from Bryson. And he asked me to caddy for him at Colonial, see how things go. So I got back on the, I stayed until the morning, flew back up that early morning on a Sunday and, you know, walked the golf course, uh, met up with Bryson on Monday. And, you know, the, the, that was that. We missed the cut, but, um, you know, he played better. And we, we, you know, I helped him with his green reading as far as understanding. When I say help him with his green reading, understanding his process and, you know, and helping him with that. But, uh, you know, that's kind of how it happened. It's kind of a fluke. I, I ran into Tyler on Monday because he was playing at Colonial as well. And I felt horrible because – it looked like I quit him to go work for Bryson, and that was 100% not the case. I was really ready just to go play golf with my dad and then head back to band. So, Yeah, that's an opportunity. It's like, wow, this kid's going to be good. I know Tyler's good. It's We don't think Tyler, you know, it's a different animal, like given that opportunity, and I get it. And was it a bit of a were you having a midlife crisis? Like, fuck, I'm, I'm done caddying. I'm going back to band in. Did it feel like a, you were having a crisis there or were you kind of happy with that decision? No, I was fine with it because, you know, again, I love, I love band and dudes. You know, I love that kind of golf. I, oh, yeah. I, I love being there. I had, you know, the cool thing is there's 300 caddies out there, 330 now. And there's always a game and a lot of good players. And you, know, you have banding crossings down south that we could play at any time. You know, gave us great deals there. And then we could play at band at any time. There was a three-hole gap. So we always played, you know, in the afternoon there. And, you know, 64-acre practice center, just unlimited balls to hit. I loved the lifestyle. I truly did. Yeah. So how, how did you negotiate your contract with uh, Bryson initially? Was it kind of you, you went and caddied for him at Colonial to kind of see how things happen? You kind of got of agreed on on a, on how much you, you were going to charge him for the week? And then did you 
<laughs> then did you just no, kind of work like that? It doesn't. Okay. So, so no. talk, talk, just, you don't have to get into details about how much you were paid and stuff, but just talk to us about maybe, maybe what it's like to kind of negotiate a contract with the golfer. Well, I think, you know, when you're a new caddy, that's, you take what you get. Right. And I didn't, I never asked Bryson. Actually, uh, we were sitting down, I think Wednesday night at Memorial before you even talked about pay. You know, I, I just went into it and said, yeah, I'll work for you. And, you know, that's what it was. But, um, yeah, all, you know, if you're a, probably a, a seasoned caddy like like a Stevie Williams or, you know, there's so many, you know, Jimmy Johnson that works for JT. And, you know, these guys, I'm sure that they probably go, hey, this is I'm sure there's a little bit of a negotiation there. But, you know, the player is the player and they set the, they set the tone for what they're going to pay. I got I got to tell you Tim, you just mentioned Stevie Williams and Jimmy Johnson but I got to tell you Tim Tucker's in that same conversation. Absolutely. It's you look there's it was like can you name any caddies it's there's Fluff. Yeah. There's Jimmy Johnson, Stevie Williams. We, we Bones. tell we tell people that we're going to interview Tim Tucker they're like Bryson's caddy? Yeah. I mean you're you're there, man. Yeah. I mean people are people are gonna be uh, calling you up. I'm sure you've probably gotten several phone calls from golfers already. Yeah, I've had some calls already, but you know, and I'm not I'm not ruling it out. I'm just, you know, right now I'm not I'm not down. But you know, you never know. We'll see it's, how my business does. <laughs> it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get to your business here in a little bit, but uh um so I, I we I want to hear the real story because there's a story out there that you pretty much quit on Bryson in 2017 and you went back to Bandon and then Bryson called you back up and, and got you back out there. Can you clarify that for maybe our listeners and for us is for that matter, uh, what happened in 2017? You know, Bryson, was, we were just in a bat, you know, Bryson is really misunderstood, right? I, and, he he would tell if if he were on this show he would tell you right now I don't I'm not that talented and so I have to outwork everybody else he truly believes that and I, I I know that's not true but that's his mentality and that's what he believes you know um, there are a lot of players you know I have a buddy down in Florida I've played a lot of golf with he never practices he just plays every day and he's phenomenal asshole if I did that and didn't practice I would get worse every day. And, uh, but so Bryson really feels like he needs to, um, but you know, we were just in a bad place, ended up, you know, he got frustrated. I was frustrated. It was after the hope missed the cut after, I mean, he was, he was like four or five inside the cut line and on the back nine, just, you know, played, played poorly and got angry. And so we split up and ended up going back to Bandon and I was just, you know, again, I love Bandon, so I was like, whatever, you know, it's fine. I was a little like, you know, embarrassed or disappointed that that, that happened, but um, you know, he went on a bad streak of playing, unfortunately. He, I think he missed thirteen of sixteen cuts, and so anyway, called me back, and uh, we worked out a deal, and I went out and started caddying for him again. Was that was that deal? Like, I know the first time at Memorial, he told you how things were going to be. Did you say the second time, okay, here's how things are going to be. <laughs> Did you do that? No, not, I mean, no. Not a little really. bit? No, I mean, you know what? We just made, it's like, 
listen, you know, these are the things we didn't like about each other, you know, at that time, you know, or how you, how I do stuff, how he did stuff. And we just said, look, we're going to, we're going to work as a team and we're going to put all, we're going to be nicer to each other and put all this stuff aside. That's a real, we're going to be professionals. It's like a marriage. Learning how to be a player. And I was learning how to be a caddy. Yeah. And so fair enough, let's figure it out and let's be, let's, let's build each other up. Right. And, And be a team. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's good to hear uh, that story because I think there's might be some misconceptions, and and that might kind of lead to maybe some of Bryson's kind of you know reputation. Maybe you know when I think it helped that you came back um, because I think that spoke a lot uh, spoke volumes to to maybe your guys' relationship, but. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, really important to remember um, that, you know, we all work with people that we might not necessarily get along with. But you know what? If you can come together and say, hey, here's the deal. I mean, you've known him since he was 15. So clearly, clearly there's a relationship and uh, clearly there's going to be some some issues there at times. And uh, yeah, sound so, sounds uh, sounds like you guys are just able to have those difficult conversations, and- which, which might be difficult times i don't know shit from shinola (laughs) but i have a feeling somebody's gonna give you a phone call next year and say what's it gonna take to get you to come back one more time yeah and that's just me my opinion i think so too uh no (laughs) (laughs) all right all right tim so what's your favorite course to caddy at Maybe give us give us three of your favorite courses and then three of your favorite tournaments because I think there's probably a little bit of a difference, right? So some tournaments might have some really kick ass snacks for <laughs> caddies, maybe some good accommodations. I've heard Augusta is great for caddies, uh, and you know, take COVID out of it because I know COVID was a big plus for caddies. You guys got to park close. You guys got a lot more kind of. You, you got to be maybe experience what it's like to be a little bit more of a player. And uh, but give us pre-COVID top five courses to cat or top three cat courses to cat in top three tournaments. Okay, well, let's see. To caddyat would be, I mean, the U.S. Open. It doesn't matter where it is. That's just for some reason, man. It's just amazing. And this is whether he had won or not. I just always enjoyed the U.S. Open. You know, you go into these. These golf courses that are off the charts, you get to see them. You know, not everybody's played them, so it's um, not all the players have played them. So you know, you, you feel like you have a level playing field, right? So I love the U.S. Opens, um, all the majors for that matter. Going over to Europe, playing in the Open Championship is amazing, and I would put Carnoustie as one of my favorite courses I've ever. Pl- uh, caddied on um and then a third one would be bay hill Mm. and bay hill does not like i played i was fortunate enough to play there right in front of arnold palmer and i didn't play with arnold palmer but i played right in front of him with a buddy of mine from uh the northwest and we kind of played the hole and then we kind of watched them hit approach shots all the way around. But I didn't think that golf course was that difficult until 
I started caddying in the tournament and they set that course up so difficult. And I think the most ballsy shot a tour pro has to hit is that sixth on the sixth hole, the approach shot. Now, not from where Bryson was hitting because he was hitting right. lob wedge <laughs> and gap wedge, but typically you're hitting in a, you know, a 240, 260 yard shot. And it's gnarly. It is not easy. Um, but, and then my favorite tournament of the year, hands down, was always Hilton Head and Heritage. And it's after a major, so it's after Augusta. I have family there. Uh, the course is an easy walk. It's a fun tournament. The course is so cool. The island's amazing. So that would probably be my Did you- the one I look forward to. And actually, this year, we withdrew. Bryson withdrew, and I went anyway. Nice. Did did you ever get invited to Davis Love's party? At Hilton Head? No. Yeah. I I hear this constantly from professional uh, caddies as well about Hilton Head. Hands down, I would say across the board is what people say is their favorite tournament. So go go into it a little bit. Why why is that? I mean, just you you said an easy walk. That that's to me, there's got to be a lot more to it. I mean, do they have the best trail mix? I mean, what what, what makes what makes Hilton Head the best tournament to caddy in? Uh, you know, for one, so Bryson has finished fourth, third, fifth, and eighth at that tournament. Wow! So that's always good money week. Yeah, for one, it's an easy week. You know the course really well. Uh, I had my family, my brother-in-law's younger brother lives just inside the gates of sea pines. So, you know, Bryson comes over every night for dinner. I have buddies that come in for that tournament. We play cornhole all night, drink beer, have a blast. Bryson comes over, eats. He's relaxed. He's comfortable. Um, my brother-in-law, he comes down. So, you know, just the family is, is great. So it's really not like it's a tough week for us. <laughs> That's that's and the awesome. weather's always great too when we that, play. That's great. It, it it reminds me of every pro am that I go out of town to, whether it's the fall tour or Bandon Dunes. Those little pro ams where you go and rent a house is always the best weekend of your life because you're just hanging out, you're playing some golf during the day, and then barbecuing, drinking beers, and hanging with your buddies, and don't have a care in the world. I, yeah, no doubt. I heard a, that's how that's how Hilton Head is. It's I, awesome. I heard a story. Uh, I guess it was last year because Hilton Head was one of the first tournaments back after COVID. Right? Am, am I am I correct on that? The first it was one of yes. The yeah. first was Colonial. So uh, I heard a story from uh, Scott Sajnak, uh Jason Duffner's caddy. I don't know if he's still caddying for him. Pretty sure he is. But I heard a story from him on a podcast about how they came up over the bridge into Hilton head and it was like COVID didn't exist. <laughs> Duffner looked at him and said, welcome to COVID Island. <laughs> Is that about as accurate as it was when you went there last year? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was shut down, but again, you know, we, we cook every night that week. So I mean, we're at the golf course and then back to, to my, my brother-in-law Kevin's house and just having fun. So, yeah. Um, you know, COVID was really you know interesting. The nice thing is, is we didn't you know you don't have to caddy in the pro am, 
Yeah, because they didn't have any. Oh, we had an extra day of prep, which was awesome. And you know, and then no fans heckling my golfer. You know, they, they the fans get pretty tough on Bryson, and and some of it's deserved, but you know, most of it's just you know, people. I, I try and tell Bryson, I'm like ninety five percent of the people out here are in love with you, and five percent are heckling you. Let's focus on the ninety five percent, man. All right. Well, let's get into but that. No, it's hard to do that. When someone yeah. criticizes you, it's really difficult to get past it. Well, I mean, as a caddy, at least, you know, from my take, it seems like maybe a little bit of a bodyguard, a little bit of security for your golfer, right? Uh, you know, if some random weird dude comes up and grabs your driver out of your golf bag and in Ireland, you you probably should maybe yeah. take the guy down. I'm not really sure what happened there. <laughs> I'm not sure how you would react. I know I would probably yeah, go up and either. confront the guy, but it just seemed really weird. So let's get into a little bit of this Brooksy Bryson kind of issue because there's clearly there clearly is a feud, and and I've said on this podcast several times it is great for golf. It is great for golf, and you might completely disagree because it might be total distraction on the course. I hope it's not, but if golf was a reality show, you need you need this kind of stuff, and if you want to increase your viewership, you're going to need this kind of stuff. So, so what was really go- what's really going on between Brooks and Bryson? Man, to be honest, so I have zero social media, right? And I'm like, I'm always out of it on all this stuff. But I did sit down with uh, Brooks's caddy, Ricky, and we talked. And he's like, Brooks has nothing against Bryson. Bryson really has nothing against Brooks. I know this is not what people want to hear. But um, they're just kind of messing around with each other. That's all. That's to be honest. It was. It's. It's. So, it's like one of those things. I was. That's all I got to say. I mean, early on, I was wondering if they were both trying to elevate their player impact program. <laughs> you know, with their social media, is like, did they go in yeah, cahoots? Exactly. Not to my knowledge, no. But all right. I do think it's you know some of the stuff is. You know, it is what it is, man. It's just, it's funny. Some of it is, some of it's annoying, but you know, I get sick of the people calling Bryson Brooksy. That, that, that annoys me, you know, because it's like, especially when it happens, you know, these guys are out there grinding like everybody else, man, that has a job. And it's like, no one's coming into your office heckling you, you know, people forget that, but you know, it, it, it can be annoying hearing it all the time, but, uh, you know, that's why they get paid the big dollars, right? Did you, uh, did you ever kind of help coach and counsel, uh, Bryson on, on how to handle some of that stuff or he just seemed like he had a handle on it. It wasn't that big of a deal. As far as the, the Brooks stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nah, that's his deal, you know? <clears throat> I, I don't get into it. None of my business. I'm a caddy, you know? Yeah. I stay out of it. Uh, so, <laughs> or just one more thing about this Brooks and Bryson thing. And and I, I only, again, I, I kind of find it good for golf. I think it's just, it, it, it kind of gets people interacting about it. People that don't even know golf very well, they actually know about this. So, I don't know if you ever saw it, but there was a little clip on on the internet, on Twitter, of when 
Bryson leaps up behind Brooksy during the U.S. Open uh, during Brooks's uh, interview. Kind of like the same where he walked behind. There's a couple little clips out there where he walked behind and Brooks kind of rolls his eyes. So when he's walking behind Brooks during an interview, Bryson kind of leaps. And you're you're walking right behind him. What do you think? And are you just like, what the hell did you just jump for? Do you even remember that? I don't remember that. I do know that the at the PGA Championship, that clip, what had happened, so that when you walked off the range, you'd go over this uh, grandstand, right? They had a little bridge. You'd walk over, you'd come down, and then you'd come around this white tent, media tent. Well, there on the car path is where they were interviewing players, and so you wouldn't even see the player until you were on him or past him, right? I think you're muted there, Tim. Could not make a putt. My putting is horrible. I couldn't putt or he was talking about his speed, right? Getting it to the hole or something like that. And he was talking. It wasn't me behind him. It was his agent, Brett Falkoff. And it just happened to turn out by chance that Brooks was talking about putting. And I think Bryson was saying, I can't get it to the hole, but it sounded like he said, just get it to the hole or something like that. Totally random, and Bryson never looked or never, Bryson never saw him. So that was just a that was just a freak thing that happened. It just happened. A perfect was train a huge wreck. Deal. Now I didn't see that. It was a perfect train wreck, and it was there was nothing on Bryson's part. I'll promise you. I tell you that right now, to instigate anything on in that matter. So you know, it that was just a weird circumstance. Yeah. You know? It's, and, uh, it sounds like this whole saga anyway. is more like Brooksy just has an issue with Bryson kind of, but Bryson just kind of doesn't really give a shit. No, no, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. really, we've played with Brooks a couple times. He's always been super nice to me. His caddy, Ricky is an awesome dude, stud guy. And you know what? There's look, they're These guys are going to play on the Ryder cup. Oh yeah. I'll tell you what, those two guys, would be phenomenal they'll beat anybody but um but you know it's i don't think it's as big you know the media likes to hype this stuff too so don't don't forget that yeah they're instigating this as well i i think it would be either yeah bryson and brooks he would you know what just throw them in the cage together and throw them out there and see what happens because bryson has he hasn't been good in the rider and president's cup and all of a sudden, if he had a different distraction of being, you know, doing poorly in those events with all of a sudden, you know, you got Brooks, who knows? I mean, if there was if there was a GoFundMe account for uh, paying to have Brooks and Bryson play in the same Ryder Cup group together, I'd at least put 100 bucks in there. That's what I can afford. But yeah. I, I want to see it. Yeah. I want to see Brooks and Bryson paired together in the Ryder Cup. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have a feeling. You're going to see Bryson and Patrick Reed playing in the right. Yeah. They, those two guys would kill it. Brooks is short. Excuse me. Patrick Reed's short game and Bryson's distance. I mean, dude, they'd crush it. Yeah. Patrick Reed is such a game. Dude. He is such a stud guy. I'm telling, I know people don't like Patrick Reed, but he is a, he's an amazing guy. He really is. I don't know if you've ever listened to our podcast, Tim, but we end it with, Everyone have a great week. 
except for Patrick Reed. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much of a fan I am of Patrick Reed. He's just a ding dong. <laughs> yeah. I know. Hey, look, he's had his issue. I can't go in. I don't understand why that stuff's happened. You know, Patrick is such a good player. He does not need to ever cheat. So, you know, but he is an amazing guy. I, I know his, his brother-in-law, um, really well we've spent a lot of time with those guys and patrick's never been anything but a a great guy to me and to bryson that's that's really good to hear and i know our fans out there are going to be really disappointed for me to kind of say that it's good good to hear (laughs) but uh, um yeah he's still kind of a ding dong but uh you know i've always said you know he's a great golfer why 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 does this i mean again like you just said he, he he doesn't need need that uh okay. Hey, do, do you need yeah. a do you need a break? Do you need to go get a brewski or anything, Tim? No, no. I'm on a 30 day no alcohol kick and I hate it. I'm on day oh, three. Man. Oh geez. Day I'm and, three. And you see us sucking suds. I'm sorry. It's alright. I my, I deserve it. Do you uh do you drink protein shakes? Um, I, I have been, yes, <laughs> I've been, you know, I lost about 40 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed that you, you had, when, when we see you out there, I noticed that you'd lost some weight. Yeah. So I'm trying to lose another 15 and I think I'd be really happy. So, you know, I've, it's funny, you know, you travel all these weeks, right? You'll be gone three weeks home for a week and then back out. And so it's like, I come home, I want to play golf and drink beer all day, every day and try and cram, you know, the time I missed into that week and I, and I do it. And, you know, now that I'm not working every week, you know, on the road, I need to be like a normal citizen and just have a couple beers here and there. Yeah. You know, so that's what I'm trying to do. Nice. Can you just do me a favor and not lose any weight in those calves of yours? Yeah. Those things are amazing. <laughs> Yeah, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> good, good. Because, you know, there's always this – Phil Mickelson's always talking about his calves. I'm like, man, you guys need to check out Tim Tucker. He's got the calves better than Phil. But that's just my own opinion. Yeah, you right. know, we're around Phil. We're around Phil a lot, and he is a – he's so he's a cool dude, I think. But, you know, he's never – really commented on my calves and i don't know why oh man we need to start this <laughs> yeah this might this might just kick start it here this is going to get the viewership of the divot room up and this is going to get the, the just the talk tim tucker's about tim calves, calves. Hey, hey speaking of phil at uh god was was that the rocket when he pulled bryson's eight iron out of the bag did did he bend it it looked like it was bent it was- Wow. Yeah, well, it was that was all staged for the match, right? He had put the club in there and we you know, we it was all like set up, but if people really paid attention, they'd know that Bryce and all his clubs are graphite, so you can't bend that. Oh, see, god dang it. Cause your look was fucking spot on. You are a great actor because you looked like what the fuck just happened. Yeah, man, I've been in five commercials, so I'm working on my acting. God, <laughs> no kidding. Did uh, you did you make your own deal with Rocket Mortgage? When did they? Did you have to get an agent, or what, what do they do? No. They said, "Here's how it is. We're gonna you get to be in a commercial, and this is what you, we give you." 
Now, Bryson's agent helps me out with that stuff. Oh, right on. He's amazing. He's the best agent on tour. Well, you'd have to be. All right, Tim. So we're going to get into a little bit other stuff, but I want to hear a couple stories. I want to hear a really your best Ryder Cup story. Best Ryder Cup story. Well, I mean, I've only been in one Ryder Cup, so the only story I have is we were paired with Phil in the afternoon matches the first day in in France, and. I'm sitting there and, and Phil asked me, he goes, Tim, can I do my pens with you? Cause we have a special way of triangulating where the pens are off the green books by using the, the uh, sprinkler heads. And so, you know, the, if the holes off, let's say that the official paces it on 15 yards and three off the left. Okay. Well, a lot of times it's hard to get the angle that he uses. So that, that pin could be off anywhere from a, f- a foot to a yard. But when you're talking about using a laser scan green contour book, right, which is which is accurate to like a thousandth of an inch, you need to know exactly where the pin is, especially when you're dealing with crowns and saddles where there's hardly any you know, slope. And so because if you're on one side of the crown, and the pen was actually on the other, right? It's a big, you'd go the other way. It'd be a big deal. So we triangulate, we triangulate these pens. Well, you know, we knew where they were at the Ryder Cup. They, we can go out to, you know, that. We can go out before the match and do that. So anyway, I'm sitting there with Phil. And Bubba's not playing yet in the, in the morning either. But Phil's sitting there telling me about, he's telling me about, uh, we're just having a conversation. And he's talking about how he has this special energy. And that during his mat one year in the Ryder Cup against Justin Rose, he's like, I focused and harnessed all my energy and put it into his left foot. So he would play horrible. And I ended up beating him and he played poorly. And he also said that, you know, his wife, Amy, she's like his source of energy, you know, and that when he's playing bad because the, the women, can, the, the spouses can walk inside the ropes. Yeah, he'll go up and hug her, and, and he says, I feel this energy from her. And um, so he goes, Tim, he goes, stand up. And so I stand up, and Phil literally gets, like, his nose is right here. <laughs> like, we are basically like an inch apart from each other. And I'm kind of looking over Phil's shoulder, and, and Bubba's, like, looking at me like, what's going on? You know? <laughs> And he's like, Tim, do you feel it? And I said, well, <laughs> Jesus. no, but I, I feel I feel a little weird. <laughs> yeah, but I don't feel that energy. But, you know, that's just Phil, right? He yeah. He's an amazing dude. He, Man, he's into – here's this guy that's this incredible field player, right? Mm-hmm. Best short name in the world. All this stuff, right? Would, pro- would be Tiger if it weren't for Tiger, right? Yep. And uh, of his generation. and But he is so into so many things. He's into, he's super technical in like as far as understanding all the launch characteristics, 
man, the way he dials his wedges up, the way he hits these shots, the way he looks at the grass, all these things. And you don't, I didn't expect that from Phil, right? When I, you know, from what I see on TV or used to see on TV. And this guy, man, he's into golf. He is big time into golf and he is fun to be around. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, that's an amazing story. I want to hear your best Tiger Woods story. Okay. So Tiger, you know, I was never a Tiger fan watching TV because I'm an underdogger, you know, and Tiger was the best, greatest ever, always winning, always on the leaderboard. So I was always wanting someone to come up and beat him. Right. Which rarely ever happened. And, uh, like remember when Bob May was playing Tiger? Oh yeah. And I was like, that was like the greatest nine holes of golf I'd ever seen. It was like thought Bob May would take down Tiger Woods. That would have been so cool. But um anyhow, so you know, when I first met Tiger, we anytime Tiger was in the field, we'd play nine holes with Tiger in in the practice round. And you know, I'm thinking, what am I gonna say to Tiger Woods that is Interesting or doesn't sound like I'm kissing his ass. And I came up with that. <laughs> nice. so I'm, like, I'm just not going to say anything. And so we played the whole round and he shook my hand at the end. And that was that, you know, nothing, just normal stuff. And so anyway, a couple of weeks later, we're playing again. And I forget what it was, but he, he was talking about the break of this putt. And I'd said something sarcastic and he laughed, you know, and then from then on, he'd kind of bust my chops anytime he could. Right. Just little funny stuff here and there, just because he has a sarcastic sense of humor, right? And so do I. So anyway, we kept it pretty simple. But um, one year at the uh, we're at the Players Championship, and again we're playing on the Wednesday, and I'm Bryson's in his rookie orientation meeting, and Tiger's on the range, and we're set up next to Tiger. Well, I realized, you know, I have to hit the shot on 17 at a caddy competition on the 17th hole of the players, the Island Green. And so I'm like, man, I better hit a couple of shots. You know, I haven't hit any shots in a long time. So I pull out Bryson's clubs and I'm hitting a couple of shots and, you know, I'm hitting them pretty good. And then all of a sudden I just, just shank one, man, hauls a rocket almost into the teaching center there on the right. And I look, I look over my shoulder, kind of see who's, uh, who saw it. Leaning on his club and he's laughing, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever. So anyway, we go play and we get to 17 and the players all hit. Tiger, Tiger hit it to like, I don't know, 30 feet. Bryson hit it to like 30 feet. And uh, so now it's the caddies' turns to hit, turn to hit. We're playing with Harold Varner too. So Joe Lacava hits in the water. Um, Varner's caddy hits it in the water. And so then I'm the only hope I hit it up there and I hit it like 23 feet just onto the back fringe. And, uh, so anyway, no big deal. We had a bet with Bryson. He had to carry the bag up, which he did. Nice. So sorry for the long story, but anyway, in the, in the, so now Thursday comes around, we're playing 16. Bryson hits a great drive. hits like a four iron on onto the green on 16. And so we're walking up and I said, Hey, Bryson, if your life depended on it and you had to hit the 17th green, would you rather have tiger or me hit the shot? 
<laughs> he's like, he goes, Tiger. He said, effing Tiger, right? And I'm like, what do you mean, man? I said, I'm 100%. And in true Bryson fashion, he says, that's not enough. That's not a big enough sample size. <laughs> Anyhow, fast forward a year. Again, playing with Tiger. Um, or no, sorry, we didn't play with Tiger. We're, we were, we didn't play the back nine on Wednesday when the caddy competition happened. We're on the ninth hole, and Bryson goes, dude, let's run over, have you hit the shot again, right? So I hit run over, grab an eight iron, chip it up there, hit it to nine feet. I finished third in the competition that year. So again, next day, we're playing Thursday, and he – Pounds his drive down there, hits like a five iron in the middle of the green. Jeez. Walking up, and I'm like, Bryson, if your life depends on <laughs> fucking tiger. <laughs> oh, that's like, awesome. Oh. I get so that's my tiger story. Yeah, and I but get anyway. The first day I hit it on the green, you know, Tiger doesn't say anything. I walk up, Bryson wanted me to put it out, so I do. And as we're walking off the green, t- Tiger taps me on the ass and says, Great shot, Timmy. So, uh, Timmy yeah, nice. Very nice. That's amazing. I love those kind of stories. I I'm a too. huge Tiger Woods fan. Always have been. He was a. Uh, he's just a few months older than I am. Came up through junior golf in Oregon, and I knew who Tiger Woods was back when I was, you know, in high school and stuff. So I knew kind of what was coming. Didn't know the exact extent of it, but uh, I love Tiger Woods. He and I really, really, really. I've I've always told people I'm like Tiger Woods is going to be the oldest guy to ever win a major. Tiger Woods is going to break Jack's record, and I still firmly believe that even even in the condition he's in right now. I'm really hoping and praying that he's going to come back and be stronger than he yeah, ever was. Tiger, I'm a massive Tiger Woods fan now, and I will tell you, the coolest thing is that when you finish nine holes playing with Tiger, or when you play with Tiger, he, at the end of the round, he comes over, looks you in the eye, gives you a, a you know good handshake, and flashes all those white teeth. God. You know, he's got a big smile. And he makes you feel like the most important person. And it is damn cool for the greatest golfer to ever walk, to to know your name and and treat you that way. You know, because you wouldn't think he would be, you know, all the people he interacts with, they just feel like, man, I got to go. You know, he's, he makes it so personalized and it's amazing. That's amazing story. I love the fact that that, that you can say that because I think that solidifies my my uh, feelings for Tiger. But uh, yeah, so he is a funny. He, he's funny as hell. He's a great. He's guy. a fucking terrible fucking driver. <laughs> Jesus, stop! Get stop driving. Yeah, yeah we kind of joke <laughs> like, hey, you. we kind of joke like, hey, Tiger, if you seriously, if you need a driver, I mean, just Jesus. call one of us up. We'll drive for you. Gosh, yeah, no doubt. Speaking of drivers. Good segue. Well, let's uh, let's talk the loop because uh, I your your website went live recently. I checked it out last night. The fucking buses look badass. You need more pictures on your website, by the way. I want to see the inside more. And yeah, it, well, there are. We're changing that. If you look, if you look at that picture that says loop on it, there is a little picture icon that you click on, but you can't see it because it's white up there in the lights. We're working on that. Okay, and and it might have been different. I didn't pull it up on my computer. I just looked it on my phone, so it might be a little bit different if I look on a de- desktop or something. But, yeah, so uh, so tell everybody. We we know we know what it is, but you tell everybody what it is. Yeah, so if 
for everybody in the Northwest, it's been abandoned dunes. You know, it's not the easiest drive. That's for sure. And anybody in the country that's trying to get out there, you know, they, they don't know where to rent cars or, you know, it's so difficult to fly into banding and, you know, being there caddy in all these years and going, man, I, oh, you know, a friend of mine, Amos Baker, he's another caddy and he's a partner with me in this. He, um, he and I, you know, used to ride into work to go carry our bags and go, man, there's got to be a better way to make money. And we've always thought about doing this, but just never had the capital. And, you know, caddying for the number five player in the world, you know, great luxury to make some good money so we could do this. And um, what we've done is we built a most, most guys, or a lot of groups that come out to band and are, are eight guys, two foursomes. And so what we did, we built a 36 foot bus with eight captain's chairs that are heated, cooled, massaged. It's six way power. There's a full bar, full bathroom with sink, and the suspension in it is as nice as you can get. You know, we paid an extra $15,000 for the best suspension you could have. It has full surround sound, two TVs. It is amazing. It is so damn cool and has all the, you know, the lighting in it. Um, you know, has shades that come down or up, man, it is, it is delicious, hmm. you know? And so anyway, we wanted to create this and he was saying, dude, what are we going to do in the winter? You know, because, you know, people from the Northwest plan, I said, well, people from the Northwest need to have us come pick them up at Waverly or Portland golf club or, or at our house. Club. What's that? <laughs> or at our house. <laughs> <laughs> or their house, whatever. We'll pick you up and take you. And and so the trip, man, everything's included on the bus. You get on, we take you, we drop you off, we pick you up and bring you home. You, everybody, you guys have played banded. You know how tired you are after playing. Oh, my God. The last uh, thing you want to do is get in your car and drive five hours back to Portland. Yeah, and Todd and, makes me drive every time. And he yeah, demand, and the, he, well, the worst part is, is, yeah, the guys want to drink in the back. Now the driver's on the hook for open container. Or, yeah, you know, right. Whatever. <laughs> right. Cannot confirm it. nor deny. Yeah. So what we wanted to, you know, for the, for the guys that fly in from other states, we wanted their trip to start the moment they landed, not the moment that they landed, got their rental car, drove five hours to Bandon, had to stop and guys so guys could go to the bathroom five times on the trip because they're drinking you know we pick you up it's going to be four and a half hours to bandit you know and you're going to ride in luxury you're going to be able to sit across from your best friends your golfing buddies and talk about you know all that how you played and and you know shoot the shit like you do in the bar and that's exactly what we've created and it is it's phenomenal and we're excited about it it's so what we're our, our biggest hope is that you know, we're going to try and do something with the Oregon chapter PGA, uh, get out and sponsor a tournament where we can, um, or sponsor a hole where guys can come in and get on the bus. And, um, you know, one of the primes where the member or the, the amateurs can get on there, the pros can get on there, grab a beer, look at it real quick, because it is, it is the definition of luxury. And our tagline is civilized golf travel. Sorry. I mean, it is a civilized way to get to Bandit. And it, I think it's the only way. Yeah, it's, and I heard you talk recently that when you drive into Bandon, everything changes. It's, 
It is the most magical, and I've been there probably eight times. Every time I just cross the the road into that sign and you start driving that up there, you just get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Oh, God, it's the best place on earth. And if, if you have this luxury bus that suddenly takes you, and then you don't even have a care in the world about coming home, it's... It's it's a genius idea, and I, I can't wait to use it. We're going down in December, Tim, and and uh, I mean, I don't know if you have like uh, cheat codes or coupon codes or what, but I mean, I just might start just saving money right now. And and one of my follow up questions is going to be how does how do people from Portland use it? Because I know it's kind of set up to pick people up from the airports, but sounds like if we wanted to set it up, you might just pick us up from our home. Yeah, we can pick you up from just a, we meet you guys anywhere and pick you up. You know, I'd say the best place would be is your golf club because you can park there. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody can meet up there and we can swing up to, it doesn't matter, Heron Lakes or East Moreland, doesn't matter. We'll, we'll pick you up wherever you want to be. But, um, you know, the nice thing too is that, um, you know, you want your on band and you don't need a car. Nope. Right? The shuttle services are great. I had a group that just called me. They're like, hey, would you pick us? We're flying into Eugene. Can you give us the round trip? And we're like, absolutely. And they say, well, would you pull over so we can, you know, go to the, get some, you know, food for the room, you know, some snack stuff and grab some beer and, and whiskey and stuff like that. So absolutely. Our driver will take you to say, you know, to, to store, help you get what you need, you know, um, so you don't need to be off property and you can, you can also pick stuff up if you need to. We have plenty of storage in the bus. So, uh, yeah, everything, all the luxuries are there. You just have the one bus, Tim? Uh, I have one there now. I'm actually driving. I had it made in Erie, Pennsylvania. It is, um, I found this company and love their work. And so, we ordered another one. I'm picking it up in about two weeks. I'm going to play golf along the, on the way back. We're going to play Muirfield Village. We're going to play Bell Reef Country Club. St. Louis. We're going to play Valley in Colorado. And then we're going to play to be determined in Salt Lake City. And then I'm going to play in Bend and then finish up at Dan. Do you, uh, do you by chance need a couple people to accompany you on this trip from Pennsylvania? <laughs> Maybe work, maybe Absolutely. maybe work some kinks out in that bus. I mean, I'm off for a couple well, of weeks. I mean, I, I I'd have no problem driving I, from Pennsylvania back. I mean, we could take turns. But if <laughs> I was wondering if we yeah. should we should pin Tim down for the pro am and Bandon next yeah. April. You know, me, you, Pisha, Hart, and we'll get four other other dudes. What do you think? You want to go to the pro am and Bandon in April next year? Yeah, I'd love to. Let's do it. It's on the books. Let's write it down, Todd. I got we, it. We just got Tim what Tucker. What I will tell you is that we've had people book so far. I had a guy the other day booked for February of 2023. Love it. So we're taking reservations. We're actually been surprised. I did, you know, these. I did another podcast. We have an article coming out in golf.com. Um, this stuff's really been driving traffic to our, our website. And it's easy. It's like booking an airplane. You can just, you don't have to talk to anybody. You can book it or you can call either way, but it's super easy to book. Um, you pay half your trip in advance and then you pay the, the, the second half of it 30 days prior to your trip. It's, and, uh, 
It sounds so, like you're going to need some more buses, Tim. Man, the, everything is people. If you've been to a car lot lately, there are not many cars on them. It, yeah. The chips, you know, that's the biggest problem is getting chips for the vehicles. And the same with, we have, it's an F550 36 foot bus. Um, everything in the back of it has been, was customized and made at this, this place in, in Pennsylvania. And, uh, but yeah, I have, I have, so I have two, I will have two in abandoned by the, you know, the 25th of August. And then I have two more. One will be done in February. One will be done April 1st. So, um, you know, we're going to keep pumping them out as long as we can fill them up. And I do think that, you know, our winter with all the groups from the Northwest, I think that it's a no brainer, man. I think we'll be booked up. Yeah, I got to, I got to tell you, it's in Todd and I, and a few, it's several other firefighters have been going down in December every year. And last, last couple of years, we've been playing in shorts and short sleeves, but we don't want that to be known across the entire world. But December is the time to go. And it is actually getting super hard to book. Uh, we, Todd and I booked a trip a few years ago. I think just the two of us went down, joined up with this group in December, and we booked our stuff maybe two weeks in advance. But now it's like if you're not a year out, you're you're done. You can't you yeah. can, unless you got to wait for cancellations. So I think this is going to be a yeah. big deal for people in the Pacific Northwest as well. And and we will be more than happy to give give your business a shout out on our podcast anytime and every time we we speak because this is a big deal. It's super fun. I think we might give it a shot in December. At least I want to look into it. Yep. And and again, if you have any coupon codes, let us know. <laughs> right on. Just I would tell you, book quickly because I mean, I was shocked that I didn't. You know, people book so far in advance. I thought, you know, you know, when I book travel, I'll usually go two to three weeks in advance. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then, you know, like I said, I just had something for 2023. We've had stuff in May and April of next year already. Um, so people are booking it and, you know, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. I think, you know, why should your trip not start the moment you get your guy, your group together? You know, it it is fun to sit with your buddies. We sat on that bus. I had a bunch of caddies look at it. We sat outside a bar in, in, uh, in Coos Bay and we sat on that thing and listened to music and, you know, there were eight of us in there drinking beer, shooting the shit for, we were out, literally in there for three hours uh, and it was, it was amazing. Like, yeah. I didn't realize it was so fun. So, so, uh, I think, you know, when you get on the bus, I think you need to say something like, welcome to the loop transportation. This is going to be your epic trip to Bandon. And then maybe about halfway through the trip, Todd and I can come on and say some sort of message like now you're passing through Eugene or something, you know, I, th- I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> you know, man, this is we, the caddies at Bandon love to go play golf. We used to play all over Oregon and we'd get like, you know, eight, 12 guys go on these trips. Well, we used to always stop in Scottsburg there. You know, when you cross the bridge going over the Umpqua river, you know, there's that little park on the right. We used to go down there and there was a big, like uh, diamond shaped sign. We'd all go to the bathroom and we'd all pull our drivers out and hit balls at that sign. Oh, hell you know, yeah. Everybody would try and hit that sign. And like that thing had so many dents in it. Well, when I was driving the bus, I pulled the bus down there and I, the sign was gone. I was pissed. That was kind of like a rite of passage. Dang it. So I was, I was planning on, 
you know, having my group stop there and pound balls into the sign. So, we all just so I think, so I think you just, I think you just actually uh, gave me, gave me an idea. We are going to, Todd and I will get a divot room sign made. Yeah. I will put it up across the river and you guys can hit balls at the divot room sign. How does that sound? I love it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, let's just uh, wrap it up really quick. Um, we're going to just have a few final questions. Um, Tim Tucker's drink of choice. TX whiskey. Okay. Rank your favorite, rank your golf courses abandoned in order of top to least favorite. And I know they're like children. You can't rank them all. Bannon dunes, Bannon trails, mm. Pacific dunes, Chief branch, Bull McDonald. Oh gosh. That's like, my, it's like my order. What do you eat after a day of caddying? Steak, steak and potatoes. Nice. nice. All right. One final question. And I think I know the answer. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Patrick Reed. <laughs> there nice. it is. Thumbs right, up, Tim. everybody. Tim, this has been amazing. Why don't you stay on the line? <laughs> when we finish up this uh, meeting. Uh, thank you so much, Tim. This has been phenomenal. Yeah, you're the greatest. Appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, I was happy to do it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm okay, man. Dude, Todd, that was fucking amazing. Great interview. Uh, a lot of good insight. And just Tim Tucker as a, as a person, uh, I know that we didn't get into a lot of golf nerdy stuff. We got into some cool stories. Uh, it was it was amazing. I, I think that was probably one of the highlights since we started this, clearly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there, there's just like a number of things that, uh, you know, we didn't go into the guy what were the air density thank god because i i know that it's super interesting but but we didn't want to get into that it's already been out there so there was no reason to yeah the, one of the things i did which we didn't really get to was the aim point i wanted to get a three minute lesson because so many people use it um well we'll have him on the show again yeah and he said he would yeah we we asked him if he's if we consider him a friend of the show so now screw you all we actually can say we have official friend of the show tim tucker yeah and we recorded it on zoom yeah we did audio might be a little sketchy on zoom but listen to the audio on the podcast right like you just did so. yeah he was sitting in his favorite easy chair rocking yeah. back and forth yeah, it was, it was, on his phone it was amazing it, it was a great interview just so down to earth so cool just so humble just you know he he uh that part where he mentioned you know you got guys like uh jimmy johnson and stevie williams and i was just like dude you're in that category, and I don't think he quite understands that. He might he, a little bit, well, but he's humble about it, and it was freaking amazing. The guy's the guy's a freaking stellar caddy that's going to win a lot of people a lot of money, and maybe will be again. I don't know. He did mention at the end. Well, you know, he we we talked we talked to him about maybe playing in a pro am with us in Pisha and next he's like, April, yeah, in, unless I'm caddying. So, so it makes me it makes me feel like he's open to it. I, I think it also depends. If Tiger Woods called him up tomorrow, he'd be back on a bag. Fuck yes, <laughs> Tiger Woods won't be back by April. I Although, call in. Let's hope he is. I call in sick leave if Tiger calls me tomorrow. Oh hell yeah, and without a doubt. And you can you can discipline me. Take all my sick leave from me. I will burn all my sick leave for one day if I get a if I get a 
caddy for Tiger Woods. Absolutely crazy. So, anyways, um, any any other reactions to that interview? It was just phenomenal. It was great. It was awesome. Down to earth, dude. Yeah, I I was impressed, and I we have some friends of the show, Paquin Woodmon. They're friends of the show, and they're buddies with them, and they're like, you got to just hear these guys story this guy's stories and it was it was we could have gone for two and a half hours but you know he had to get on with his life went on for an hour and 15 15 minutes minutes. (laughs) right it's good stuff though it's good content thanks for listening uh again loop banded loop transportation.com it's a high-end bus it'll take people from portland international airport eugene airport or coos bay airport and take you down to bandon and you know what as you just heard in the interview He'll pick you up at your house yep. if you live in the Portland area. So they will accommodate every needs that you have. They just want to make your trip to Bandon better than it was before because you had to drive down there. Anyways. Hey, let's, 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 with the glasses. Yeah. Cheers. We got some sisters meeting smokehouse glasses, pint glasses here that we're drinking some, some, uh, bever- beverages out yeah. of. And uh, again, Sisters Meat and Smokehouse can't beat our meats. Stop into Sisters Meat and Smokehouse in Sisters, Oregon on your way through. They're on Spruce. Big red barn looking building. It's phenomenal. You're going to be happy with the chicken, the ground beef, the steaks. You can grab some beef jerky, grab some pepperoni sticks for the golf course, grab a sandwich, stop in with your friends, grab a beer, whatever it is. They're going to be make you happy. And uh, with that said, everyone have a, everyone be good humans, get vaccinated. Everyone have a great week except for Patrick Reed.